right, everyone. Episode nine of Beers, Business, and Balls. I'm Jake Zimmer, uh, and Will Tondo's alongside me. This is the first episode that we are together in the same place, um, and coming at the right time, uh, I would certainly say. This is an optional episode for a, a lot of you listeners. Um, it's going to be very uncomfortable, and it's not going to be uh, an episode where you can go to escape what's going on in America right now. Uh, we will not be talking beers. We will not be talking balls or business or any of the things that you come to find solace with us with. Uh, we can no longer just sit here and watch as people really have... Uh, as the world is crumbling, to be honest with you. As our country is falling, and as so many suffer for so many different reasons. So we're here, you know, we're, we're giving you these couple of minutes to, if you want to stick around and listen and swipe out, we, we won't blame you at all. But we encourage you as two white males that are opening conversation here to listen and to participate and to weigh in um, in the comments and to, to reach out to us for more. This is us opening the conversation at the very least. So we, we do hope that you'll stick with us here on Monday, June 8th of 2020, which will turn to be a pretty pretty pivotal time uh, in, in history, Will. Yeah, once everything went down and social media, you know, took a huge stance. We just felt that it was appropriate to pause our show, you know, take, stop doing what we normally do for this week and, you know, talk about what's going on, you know, what, what to say, what to do, what to feel. Uh, like J Jake mentioned, both him and I are alongside each other in Providence for the first time in a few months. And we stopped at the Black Lives Matters protest in downtown Providence. And when I say that I had chills and words could not describe it, I mean, the second we both walked right next to Kennedy Plaza and right next to the state capitol, I mean, my jaw dropped. I was, I was shocked. I mean, it was, you know, it was beautiful to see everyone come together and, you know, hear their stories and participate in just the experience as a whole. But I will truly never understand what um what people go through and what this time means for them but i will stand in solidarity solidarity because it was it was definitely like jake said a pivotal moment in history we'll, we'll talk about that more too as a, the protest experience um, over the next few minutes too but i want to weigh in and, and tell you folks some of the things that we've personally realized this week um First of all, as two people who are white Caucasian males, we physically cannot empathize and understand with what is going on in America right now. Let's get that out of the way. Um, there are a lot of folks uh, that are white that are saying, you know, no, I, I get it. I get it. Racism exists and, you know, the, it's horrible that there are racists out here. And for full disclosure, you know, that's a way that I think we both arguably have felt throughout our lives, uh, for sure. You know, we would obviously never consider ourselves racist people by any um, 
by any means, really, but it it's, goes way deeper than that. It just being tolerant of people that are <laughs> other skin colors and uh, of ethnicities than you is not good enough. And that's something that I've personally realized this week, which leads into the next point that systemic racism is certainly alive and well in America right now. And that is certainly not for any good whatsoever. Um, what I have seen uh, in, in talking with folks who are white and black this week, um, there is still a long, long way to go with solving these things that people who are African-American uh, that live in the United States experience every single day. Um, and that is something that, you know, that I learned this week for sure. Um, and the, the third point that I wanted to make is that there's so much more learning to do. Um, it's not enough to just put the, the black screen on your Instagram and say, you know, okay, that's, you know, I'm doing my part. I think that that's going to be certainly a, a, a struggle for weeks and months and years to come for both of us and so many people like us. And, and that's really what I've learned today um, in these past couple of weeks for sure. I don't know, man. We've got, we, we have a shit ton of work to do. And I think that this week brought to light um, a, a lot of that. And I, I don't know. I just think that we, it's so tough because we physically can't understand what black Americans go through in this country every single day. No. And I mean, this week was definitely the first step to the uphill climb that's going to take place. I mean, like we mentioned, it is such a pivotal point and, if you look back in you know recent history, this isn't the first time that there's been Black Lives Matters protests, and it definitely will not be the last. And I just feel that this moment and these deaths that just you know recently happened—George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and so many more—were definitely the match that struck the fire. You know, I, yeah, it is like you mentioned, it's the systematic racism. I don't believe every person in this country is racist or has that systematic racism, but it's still a large part where our government or police force or uh, judiciary system, I mean, there is still a lot of people that have those awful views. And it, it, like you said, it's hard to even put words to it, but we need to be able to put words to it and be able to vocalize that and be able to educate ourselves and everyone else because if you're just being complacent and not doing that it will stay here forever right and I, I think it's what we've been seeing so much is that a lot of white people are being called racist this week right and a lot of people are being brought to the realization that you know shit maybe i do have some racist tendencies or something like that and when you look at America and when you look at um, inner cities and things like that, and the facts are quite honestly that um, that black Americans in the United States are, are essentially from the second they're born um, systematically way less likely to be successful with white people. I mean, there's so many of these facts. Um, it, it's, it's nuts. And to sit here and deny that it exists in that, Black people have had a much harder time than we have to get to, you know, where we are in our successes is just ignorant at this point. It's very ignorant and it needs to be changed. 
the issue is, is, and I'm all about the protests and, you know, the fight for it now. How can it be fixed? Yeah. Because I don't have an answer. No. And no one does. And I think that's what opening the conversation up does. That's a first step in, in many of, you know, over the next weeks and months and years, as I've mentioned. But let, let's go back to the protests, too. We, we stopped in um, on our way to our friends in Massachusetts. And we uh, have been stopping by the city. Um, absolutely packed. So at that point, it's our duty for a mile, something a mile away in history going on. You know, we have to get out of the car. We have to, um, you know, go around and participate and hear these people. Um, swarmed. Estimate is 9,000 people in Rhode Island. Of course, it's a 10. Right. And when you look at that alone, I think that that is enough to say, you know, something's going on here. But then you go and you hear these people um, shouting along in solidarity with each other. Um, you hear them. You see the signs. You see the names written out of George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, Philando Castile. Um, the list goes on. Eric Garner. It goes on and on. Um, and I think my realization to the fact that, I, you know, we are so out of touch with reality as white Americans. Um, when we're saying these people's names, you know, it, it never in a million years will that I think that I, I would be shouting Breonna Taylor's name to say her name. It's, and that's what it, it's, it, and that's it's a, a humbling and that's, experience. And that's the problem, though. It's because that, you know, when these individuals passed away, the systematic racism just put it as a number. It's like you need to have them as a name. They, they lost such a precious life. They had so much more to live. And it was right there. It was just black man, black woman died. And more importantly, it was, yeah, it was when they, they were not, not even passed away. I think it was when they were, when these people were murdered. You know, yeah. by, by the police, the people that are supposed to protect us. And it's such a fine line because I, I the arguments are – and another thing that exists in America is the police brutality. It, it's – in addition to the racism that black people face in America, it's also the fact that they're way more likely to be targeted by police. And it's disgusting. I, and there's a twofold argument that's going out right now. It's one side saying, you know, um, we get it. Uh, the cops are, you know, let's even say 90% of cops are good, right? And that leaves 10% bad apples. Um, the flip side of that argument, which a lot of people are saying, is the, the looting going on. It's, oh, you know, there's only a couple of bad egg looters and all these things like that. But still, I think when you look at this from a holistic view, it's, does a small sliver of people represent the entire group and you can definitely make the case this week in particular that you're only as good as your weakest link look at the cops right they're getting a bad rep they're um you know everyone's calling for their abolishment or defunding or something like that and on the other side of it the more typical conservative people um again not injecting politics into this at all because it's far from it but the more uh, people that are trying to discredit this whole Black Lives Matter movement are the same people that are saying, you know, the looting doesn't make any sense. The looting isn't going to solve the problems, but neither is killing people in the street. It's it's twofold, and that's the the fact that we're even approaching this argument like this as Americans is 
pretty dangerous in my opinion. It is. And I mean, this week definitely tested a lot of people's wits and tested, tested the police force because you have the videos that again, we're in the technology age where you can capture anything with that little phone in your pocket. You know, you have the cops that you see during these protests are getting violent and are pushing people and it's awful. You don't know what happened prior to start that, but you saw a cop push a elderly man and his head is bleeding. You saw, you know, the violence happening. But then on the other side, you see the cops are saying, listen, I am here for you. I understand with you. I'm walking with you. I'm kneeling with you. So it's just a two-sided argument right there because it's like we, like during this time, it's like we're focusing on the police, the police brutality, how that, that is the cause of these deaths. But we're also shedding more light to it, saying that, look what the police are doing. They're injuring more people. But we also have, oh, the police are actually helping. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. For sure. Um, I mean, there, there is going to be a lot. And this week has been really tough. It's been a weird week for many people like us who are, are white. And, and obviously it's, we can't comprehend what this week has been like for, um, for black Americans. We, we really can't no, because their brothers and sisters are getting murdered in the street, quite honest with you. Um, I know that there's going to be a, a lot of our listeners that, um, you know, have, have questions about what these facts are. And I encourage you to go find out, you know, we're, we're trying to find out what these facts are too. And, um, and to, in order to understand racism in America a little more, there's work to do, to be quite honest with you. We don't really have all the answers, and you know, I, I really don't think any person does have all the answers on what the next steps are going to look like in America. Um, what uh, I guess what I want to kind of bring up is this week's episode of, of part of my take with Arian Foster, um, who is an African-American, and he is a very accomplished NFL player, for sure. Uh, I've listened to their conversation. It was Big Cat, PFT commenter, and an NFL running back. Normally, you'd think, wow, what a great opportunity for banter and just screwing around and talking shit and all that. But when they're talking about racism in America, that's when you listen. That is when you uh, put everything aside and you listen, when Barstool Sports is talking about this stuff. Um, I took away a lot of good stuff from this episode, but I, I want to bring up one thing that he said, and he, he basically said, all you can do is fix small things at a time to have real change. No one's going to go out there and say the right words or do the right thing to solve what's going on in America. It's going to be a series of small things and wins that you can get to combat what's going on. Um, and, and that takes shape in, in many different ways, for sure. I think opening the conversation is one. I mean, you, you can't get anywhere unless you open that up and, and have those uncomfortable conversations, for sure. Um, but then number two is, you know, starting to make action, right? It's getting your ass out to vote on November 3rd for the people that you think are going to represent you well and you think are going to take a stance on these kinds of things. It's being an, an ally for a, a black friend or for anything like that. Um, I mean, it, it is, there is so much work to do it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight for sure. 
No. And there's a lot of people that I've been following along, you know, throughout this entire, uh, this entire week, you know, both black and white and the, the voices that they're saying. And one thing that I really took away with, and, you know, I really lo thought long and hard about this was, you know, we're talking about educating, right? Well, we don't really educate the youth about because I, I, it came up to me in mind when I was like, you know what, our country is really fucked up right now. And then I took a step back and I said, well, our country has been fucked up for hundreds of years <laughs> if you really think about it. You know, it's like we literally owned people and treated them like shit. Schools integrate. Like you couldn't even go to school with a black person until no. 1970. Our parents were still alive. Or, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's nuts. And, you know... You don't, they don't really teach anything in the history books, and that needs to be changed. I mean, that needs to be changed. If you address those awkward situations and those awkward conversations in the classroom at a young age, they will have a better understanding. Kids will have a better understanding. They will ask questions and be like, wow, that's really awful. I mean, you teach about the Holocaust. You teach about the Holocaust, and that's, you know, another systematic racism event in history. And, you know, I remember, you know, being in whatever it was, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, learning about the Holocaust. My, my, I had chills. I was upset. I was like, that is, how could one person treat another person like this? Yeah. And that was in a different country, but we don't talk about the history events that happened in our own country. So educating is definitely one. Uh, like Jake said, being that voice and that ally is definitely another. I definitely understand why people don't post on social media or don't talk about it. Um, social media for people is definitely an outlet of, you know, just personal expression or an escape from reality, which I understand. And I don't, I don't want to insult anybody by saying, Oh, like if you don't post, you know, you're a terrible person, but I definitely feel that now is the time to definitely now is your time to, educate yourself and follow along in the news, even if you're not, you know, a news or political person, because this is definitely a very important piece of history and in time right now that you shouldn't be sitting in the sidelines and not doing anything about it. Yeah. You made a great point on education, I think. Um, that's something that we have talked about this week, but think about... Um, you think about things like the Holocaust. I mean, personally, I, I remember, and I do know that a decent amount of the curriculum now is made up of Martin Luther King. But he's made out to be just a, a small sliver of of history, and then they moved on to whatever, right? They talk about Martin Luther King for the week and how you know he um, made the world a little bit of a better place, but. Then you go on and they're teaching kids, you know, to not see color and to think things like that. And that, that I, I think that personally, that's, that's not the way to go about things. I mean, you have to teach them about these uncomfortable things. Like you just mentioned, you have to teach them about racism in America and say, Hey, listen, there are black people to all you white people out there. There's black people that are being treated different than you right now in this era because of the color of their skin. And they are way more likely over their life to uh, be incarcerated or to be killed in the street by a police officer. 
I think figuring out, and by no means are we education professionals, but figuring out a, the right way to educate them about the very dark issues is going to go a long way. I mean, I racism isn't, you're not born with racism. Right. You're taught. And if, you know, if we're teaching it in the school systems, that's great, but it also needs to be teached in a, taught in the household as well. And that will be something that is very difficult. And, you know, again, this is now the time where not only the youth and young members of society need to step up and educate themselves and, you know, be an ally and a voice, but so do the parents and so do the adults. And Jake and I were talking off air about this, but it's like very hard for some adults to comprehend that because when they were our age and they were young, they were still segregated at schools, you know? And there was that stigma and hate so like so much louder than it is now between whites and blacks. And they will never comprehend that just because that's how their parents raised them. Yep. So, and, and I was just thinking about this. It's like, when, when are we going to have to break that cycle? It obviously needs to be now, but like, do we need to wait for those people to die off and just, you know, the new generation of parents come in because how do you how do you stop the cycle and fix it now? And again, we don't have those answers. Yeah, that's something no one has. No one has those answers. But there's what's good is that there's ways to approach the problem that have been being uh, you know discussed on Twitter. I mean, I, I'm learning something every time I log on to the app for sure, trying to filter out all the bullshit and the noise and stuff because there's a lot of still antagonistic behavior on all social media, but. What I am learning a lot, especially from um, you know my black friends and colleagues and, and uh, the like on Twitter, um, there are actionable ways to go about this. Um, you know, a couple of the uh, the black colleagues that I have in the sports casting world, uh, I have been in contact this week with them you know, with a genuine um, you know, plea, I guess. To you know, how can I help you as someone in this industry that I respect? How can I? How can I be better? And thankfully, was met with some good resources to start that I've been sharing around with folks. And um, the inclination is, you know, to do a little research, to buy a book or two. And great, you know, that's the that's a logical first step. But after that, it's if you sit on that knowledge, then what the hell have you accomplished? You know, go and tell people to to do something. Go and tell people, you know, say I've read this and I, I think we should have a discussion about it. You know, family friends, colleagues, whatever it is, probably a good idea. And there's no way, there's no right way, I guess we're saying to do it, but got to do something. I mean, that, that's the bottom line of this conversation. We're approaching 23 minutes now. I think we've personally made most of our points um, and nothing we say is going to solve anything, but this is what we owed to you and to the world as our response uh, and our statement that essentially we're here. <laughs> we are living through history and we're going to be on the right side of it. And we want you to, to hop in on it. If you haven't understood yet what effects that the murder of George Floyd, which of course was just a, the tipping of the iceberg here, has brought about in America 
then go do some research because you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the world. I think that's all I, I have personally. I don't know if we want to add anything. The only thing I do want to add um, as more of a helpful thing now, and again, there's a lot of, we talked a lot about how we don't have the answer and we don't know how to feel. We don't know what to say. But to summarize, you know, we want to break this cycle and we want to educate ourselves and we want to, you know, end this systematic racism. If you do have a spare dollar, you know, you have the George Floyd Memorial Fund to, you know, help that family out specifically. And, you know, you have the Lund the Loveland Foundation and Campaign Zero and the, NN the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, the Community Bail Fund. There's you a lot of project too. Yeah, there's a lot of places that you can, if you feel that, you know, your voice isn't enough, which it, your voice is enough. But if you feel that and you want to do something more, you know, you can donate to your, those uh, causes. But my closing point is we just need to be kind to each other. Um, and I've been saying that once, you know, coronavirus started that we were all, you know, locked up and people were losing their jobs. And, you know, it felt like as, you know, not just black, white, whoever you were, people as a whole were all in this down in the dump, but everyone was starting to become kind to each other. They were, you know, you know, singing on balconies to each other and they were tossing beer cans to each other. Everyone was being kind and kind-hearted going through this tough time. We don't need to divide ourselves any longer. And again, we don't want to get into politics, but there's becoming a, you know, a division within this country. And it's a rift that is going to be hard to repair. If we are all kind to one another, and you know do the right things and say the right things and actually mean it it can go a long way so that's all we have to say we appreciate you listening again we wanted to pause the show because we wanted to stand in solidarity and we want to be a an outlet for voice and an outlet to say what we have to say and say what we have to feel about this it wasn't appropriate to talk about our normal beers business and balls but we appreciate you listening and uh you know, just stay safe out there and stay kind. Yep, we'll be back at some point, folks. And I think you made a, a good point that that's why we started Positivity Corner. You know, because there's so much bad shit going on in the world. And, um, we'll hit the nail on the head. It's about pausing what we do and using our voice. Join us in conversation. We're always open. The DMs are always open, as we say, every week. And like I said, we'll be back at some point in some way, shape, or form. But thanks for joining us for episode nine. That's Will Tondo. I'm Jake Zimmer. Black Lives Matter.